How's it going, guys? Real quick, before we start this episode, I wanted to give a shout out to our newest Patreon supporters. I think we have about four. I don't know if I said this last time, but uh, our newest ones are Lucas Long. Appreciate it, man. Um, Jay Sheet. I think you just messaged me on Instagram. I'll get back to you. And then also Arlita, which is a very rare female Patreon supporter. So if you guys want to support me on Patreon, Google search Force Munden Patreon Backbuilders, you'll find it. You can subscribe for as little as a dollar per month and you get 24 hour early access to all my podcast episodes. Hope you guys enjoy this one. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Backbuilders podcast episode 45 now. This episode comes from a story that I held on uh, a story post that I held on my Instagram only, I think it was, yeah, it was yesterday. It's Friday now for those of you guys who aren't listening to this on, on a Friday, July 24th. God, I can't believe we're already at the end of the month. Unbelievable. We're already seven months into this year. Can you guys believe that? Like what has even happened? It's so funny because I went into 2020, like expecting, you know, <laughs> to be all high speed and to hit the ground running and all this stuff like that, which I guess I have to a certain extent. And then nothing, like everything's closed, nothing's running. I just got a text yesterday that my unit, my entire brigade is no longer running missions for the rest of the year and we're no longer drilling. Everything is going to be virtual for the rest of the year, guys, for the rest of the year. My entire brigade, you know, three, 4,000 people, we are out of work for the rest of the year. I just want to make that clear. Is this worth it at this point? Are we going to keep doing this? Yes. Yes, we're going to keep doing this. Anyways. Yeah, so I posted a story yesterday that asked the question. I'm going to actually look at it. I usually don't have my phone out when I'm doing this because it it makes uh, feedback in the microphone. But I asked a question. It was a yes or no poll, which I know, I know they're hard to answer. Every time I do a yes or no, well, people are like, well, yes, but also no. I'm like, yeah, I know it's difficult, but just like pick one. And it doesn't have to, like, I know it's hard. So that's why we're going to talk about it in this episode. So I said, do you believe that if men spoke about their feelings more, suicide will be less frequent? I know that's an incredibly difficult and vague question because, you know, suicide prevention and all that stuff like that has, is very complicated. And it's not just a, you know, there's not just one reason why people kill themselves. This whole episode, by the way, is not just going to be about suicide prevention. I know I made it kind of sound like that in my stories, but it's not going to be about just suicide prevention. So you can already guess what the polls are going to be. It's 82% said yes, that if more men spoke about their feelings, then suicide would be less frequent. Now, does that mean less frequent as in 1% less frequent, 2% less, 50% less frequent? Uh, Who knows? But 82% of you said that suicide would be less frequent if more men spoke about their feelings. And then, so it's 82% yes, and then 18% no. So I, I saw that coming, to be honest. I actually, I was surprised to see even 18% of the people saying that that it doesn't matter if men talk about their feelings or not. It's not going to prevent suicide. So the total number of votes for yes was 477 for yes and 108 for no. That's a lot of people voting. So I let that kind of sit for a while. And then 
I gave a, another story post maybe an hour and a half later when I was on my walk, which I've been doing a lot lately. I, ha- I highly recommend that every time I start going for walks again, whether it's short 5, 10, 15 minute walks, especially in the mornings and the evenings, I feel so much better. I feel so much better. I don't remember where I got it from. I think I got it from one of Robert Greene's books where he's talking about the benefits of walking. But uh, when you're walking, you just have your thoughts are so clear instead of just being cooped up in the house. So I went on that walk and then I posted that story post about, you know, vulnerability and what it actually means to be vulnerable. And it was like a two minute post. And then, of course, I got um, which I'm used to at this point. I got tons of people saying like either, oh, I agree or I completely disagree. Or I got like a few people saying, oh, you're an idiot. I'm like, OK, either way, no matter what way you look at it, I need to do an episode on it. So I decided to make today's topics of discussion um, kind of around vulnerability, right? what it means to be vulnerable. So I put three bullet points. I put, what does it mean to be vulnerable? Okay, that's number one. Number two, who should a man be vulnerable with? That's number two. Number three, the feminization of masculine vulnerability. So before we even go into any of this, we have to define vulnerability and we have to put it in context of our discussion, right? Which is, does it help prevent um, mental illness, you know, like suicide prevention, um, depression, anxiety, nihilism, and all that stuff like that. So the, the whole point of this episode is does men actually talking about their feelings actually help them? My, not to spoil the entire episode, but no, I'm sorry. Men talking about their feelings and only talking about their feelings will not solve all their problems. I don't think a lot of you guys think that it will, but I feel like it's overestimated. So we're told often as men, especially as veterans, that we have all this repressed emotion and trauma and blah, 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 and that if we don't talk about it. It's going to just bottle itself up. And I gave the example of, you know, 10 years down the road, it's just going to come foaming out of your mouth and dripping down your chin and your eyes are going to turn red and you're going to divorce your wife and beat your children. That's, that's often the, the idea that a lot of people have. It goes back to that annoying pet peeve that I have about everybody thinking that everything is repressed, right? So they, they they always give the example of the veteran who was in Iraq or in Afghanistan or whatever, who never wants to talk about his experiences or trauma. And they always think that he's like a ticking time bomb, which is not necessarily true. In fact, what I've noticed about a lot of people who see that those people, um, you know, had those experiences and they're kind of suspicious of how fine they are and how OK they are with it. Like, hmm, this guy, you know, I know he saw some shit in Afghanistan and then the therapists and then the family and everybody starts poking him and poking him. Yo, you need to talk about it. You need to talk about it. Poke, 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 poke. And they keep doing that until finally he bursts because you crack his shell and then he cries and he sobs and then he's a huge mess. And then you're like, oh, that's what you needed the whole time. Really? Really? You needed to break his shell and maybe it's a shell for a reason. Are you going to rip the shell off of a turtle and then leave its, you know, spine hanging on the road and be like, oh, it's that's what you needed is to rip off your shell. <laughs> no, I don't think that's necessarily true. I think that people have psychological shells, defense mechanisms from trauma for a reason. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. That is completely different from how I was maybe the beginning of this podcast when I said that, oh, you need to dive deep into your psyche and you need to talk about all the stuff and you need to blah, blah, blah. I do believe that there is definitely power and um, 
a therapeutic effect to talking about your issues and and stuff like that. Um, I do believe that there is power in that, but I believe it's overestimated and I believe that's not a solve all, right? So w- often the veteran community and just the male community, I mean, the the commu- like the society in general thinks that if we just talk about our problems, then we're good to go. Our hands are clean, blah, blah, blah. He talked about his problems. We can move on. Put him in a therapist, let him cry over the side of the armchair and while the therapist doodles about this and that, right? That's discrediting a lot of therapists. A lot of therapists actually care a lot, but I don't believe that to be true anymore. Um, so yeah, in the context of vulnerability, right? I don't believe that I have an ant on me. I have so many ants in my house right now. It's actually insane. That's what happens every summer, but I don't believe that men talking about their problems is, uh, is talking about their problems with just anybody is going to solve their problems. So I said in my story post that I said, being vulnerable, um, and talking about your feelings isn't going to help you for the most part, right? So there I am admitting that there are benefits to talking about your feelings with other people. Now, first of all, let's, oh shit, I forgot to define what it, what, what does it mean to be vulnerable guys? What does it mean to be vulnerable? So in the context of masculinity, right? Cause this is what this podcast is all about in the context of masculinity. What does it mean to be vulnerable as a man? It means to identify and to communicate issues that you're having, whether they're physical issues, whether they're emotional or mental. So if you as a man um, have been feeling chest pain for the past 48 hours and you're getting dizzy and you are passing out in the shower and you're not telling anybody about that because you want to look strong, but you're actually having a heart attack. Do you think that's a strength? Don't you feel like you are more strong if you reach out to somebody and say, hey, I can't breathe. I have shortness of breath. I'm getting dizzy. No, taking care of yourself and communicating that you do need help in certain ways, whether it's, you know, that dramatic example of a heart attack or maybe you need help in the gym or whatever. There are ways of being vulnerable that that are obvious, right? I mean, my grandpa, for example, he had a, I think it was a triple bypass recently, and he was forced to be vulnerable because if he wasn't vulnerable, if he didn't express his pain in his chest and all that stuff like that, he probably, no, he would have died. You know what I mean? But pride, you have to put pride aside at a certain point. There's a reason why that, there's a reason why pride is one of the seven deadly sins. It's because if you have so much pride that you're not willing to communicate with your brothers or your family or, you know, whatever around you about, you know, your issues or your ailments that you're having, that it's only going to hurt you. Right. So me as a man, I feel like being vulnerable uh, in the context of like, you know, I need to let you know what's happening with me, uh, you know, whether it's to a doctor or something like that, because uh, because it's that's the only way I'm going to get better. Right. And then there's also vulnerability in admitting that you don't know how to do something. So I've been working with Sergey in building guitars recently, and I have to admit, I'm like, dude, I have no idea what this tool does. I've never seen this in my life. Or, you know, I can just choose not to be, quote, vulnerable. I see the thing is the term vulnerable has been so twisted and so feminized now that every time I say vulnerable, I people just automatically vulnerable in the context of masculinity, right? It's been so feminized that now every time I say that, people just think of uh, just that crying, weeping man who's just like, <laughs> yeah, I have this experience that I need to talk about. No, that's not what I mean. I just mean vulnerable as in you're willing to put pride aside and actually talk about it. So 
you know, there's tools in this workshop that I've been working at for the past several weeks with Sergey where I'm like, dude, I don't know what this is. I don't know. <laughs> this is some kind of weird dildo-y looking thing with sandpaper. Like, what do you do? Sit on it? I, I don't know. So I have to ask him. <laughs> and I have to, oh, God, that sounds so painful. And I have to ask him. I'm like, Sergey, I don't know what this is. What do I do with this? And he's like, oh, no problem. Um, let me show you. Or I could just be like, oh, pff, I know what this is. It's a sandpaper dildo. You just freaking sit on it. You know what I mean? It's like you have to you have to know when to be vulnerable. And like I said, I hate using that term. I hate it. I hate saying vulnerable. I hate saying vulnerability because it's been so twisted, right? Um, so I hope that kind of defines what it means to be vulnerable, right? And of course there's, there's times when I mean emotional vulnerability, right? Right. When I, when somebody has problems and issues that they need to talk about. All right, moving on. I'm, I'm rambling at this point. Number two, who should a man be vulnerable with? So now that we've acknowledged that there are benefits to being vulnerable as a man, right? In the examples that I gave before in the wood shop and talking about the quadruple bypass and the health and, you know, even mental you know, illnesses and stuff like that. There are some benefits to that. What you don't want to do is, okay, actually, let's move on to the next one. Who should a man be vulnerable with? Who should a man be vulnerable with? Should a man just be vulnerable with? And now now we're getting to more the emotional aspect of it, the emotional realm, because this is what is most important. Now, Society wants to tell men, more so young boys, that if they just cry, and you've seen the magazine covers on like, I think it was like on Time or whatever, where it's like the little boy crying or the man crying, or you see all those um, nerds on from those shows, like, I don't even remember what they're called, where they all have, they, look up like men crying celebrities or something like that, and you see all those celebrities with tears in their eyes, and they're all crying, and they're like, if more men cried, then the world would be a better place, and it's like, no, that's not, stop, just stop, that's not helping anybody, that's not helping the man, that's not helping the boys, that's not helping anybody, that is female logic, and I'm sorry, ladies, and I'm not to, here to discredit you, I think that your emotional spectrum is beautiful and needed. And, um, you know, obviously we can all state the importance of that. However, your female spectrum of emotion doesn't necessarily compute with the male psyche, right? So whereas females are very comfortable with crying and talking to each other and letting out the emotions and blah, 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 blah. Men aren't programmed like that. We're not programmed like that. It's that's just not how we're wired. So when we go into your female spectrum of emotions and we try to emulate that and mimic that, what like we've been taught to since freaking grade school, you know, first grade, it throws us off and it makes us feel a little bit less strong and it confuses us and it brings us kind of this sense of shame. Now, one thing that a lot of people bring up to me, they're like, "Oh, so you don't think men should cry?" No, I'm not saying men. Sh- I'm not saying men shouldn't cry. Men are human. Um, I'm not saying that if you cry that you're pathetic and you're weak. I've cried. Everybody's cried. Every strong, The strongest man in the world has always cried. The Spartans admitted that they cried. I'm not saying that you shouldn't cry, but I'm just saying you shouldn't just go on every shoulder that you meet and just weep on them, right? And then um, you'd be surprised at how many problems you can actually solve, you know, in the context of like stress and 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 issues and stuff like that you'd be surprised at how many problems you can solve by not just sitting there and crying and going out and knocking out your goals and taking it head on now now i'm not saying that men should this is what i get kind of in the weeds here and this is when a lot of people kind of pull my 
you know, my ideas out of context. I'm not saying men shouldn't cry. I'm not saying that crying makes you any weaker. I'm not saying that getting emotional gets you. And I've been emotional on this podcast when I've talked about very serious things because it just, that's what happens. But I'm just saying, if you go around trying to copy and mimic the female response to life, which is to get emotional as a man, it's not going to be, you're not going to benefit from it, right? You're going to be seen as weak. You're going to be seen as incompetent. And quite frankly, a lot of people are going to be very disgusted with you if you just go around emotionally reacting to everything and crying about everything and, you know, stuff like that. Um, Now, the question is, is who should a man be vulnerable with? A man should be vulnerable with, and this goes hand in hand with suicide prevention. A man should be vulnerable with other men of his caliber. Other like-minded men, similar men. So, if a man, let's let's give a scenario. A man uh, in Iraq has, uh, an Iraq veteran has severe PTSD. Um, you know, he's seen some shit. His friend got blown up in front of him. This is obviously, you know, this, ha- this obviously happens, but this is a little dramatic. Who should he be vulnerable with? Who do you think he's better off being more vulnerable with? Do you think he's better off being vulnerable with his mom and dad? No, probably not. They're definitely going to, you know, listen to him and they're going to feel very, very bad for him and they're going to feel very sympathetic for him. Oh, my poor boy. You know, he went to war and he saw all that stuff and no, that sucks. You know, that they're only going to understand to a certain extent. Should he be vulnerable with his wife about it? Sure. Yeah, definitely. I feel like there's some benefit in obviously talking to your significant other, especially if it's a wife, especially if you've been together for a long time. But again, is she going to understand? No, she's only going to empathize with you. You being vulnerable to a woman is only going to initiate a response in her that is similar to her taking care of a small baby, right? I mean, it's she's not going to see you as a baby, but she the only thing she could do is just hold you and tell you that everything's going to be okay, but she's not going to be able to really, really help you. But that Iraq veteran who has severe PTSD has another buddy who he served in Iraq with. And he calls him up and he's like, man, I'm having a really hard time here. And the guy's like, oh, no problem. I totally understand what you are going through because I went through something similar. In fact, I was with you. Come down to the VFW at 1400 on Thursday and have some drinks with all of us. And he goes and he has some drinks and, you know, maybe he'll talk about it. Maybe he won't. But he's around other people who understand his situation. And that alone is therapy. That alone is going to prevent suicide. That alone is going to help him reaching out to people, not just sitting there crying and feeling bad for himself all day. I know this goes without being said. I know this part of the podcast is relatively obvious, but you'd be surprised at how many veterans kill themselves without even trying to go and meet other people and talk to people um, instead of just, you know, getting stuck in that. I'm kind of getting, I'm kind of getting lost here. This is a very complicated subject, but, but Let me give you an example to make this make more sense, right? Warhammer 40K, I know I've been talking about it a lot lately, but it has some great philosophies in it and it has some great ideas. And I've noticed that even in that book, the author, I can't remember his name, um, and this was in Horse Rising, the first book, I'm now on the second, was that he actually addresses PTSD and vulnerability in a very, very interesting and cool and realistic way. You have these space marines who are genetically modified not to feel fear. It's impossible. 
They can't feel fear. They can't be traumatized, really. They can be highly concerned and they can be, you know, maybe even a little bit nervous or it's hard to explain that, but they don't feel fear. So by turn, they can barely feel trauma. However, there are hints of trauma within them, things that shock them, things that just they can't comprehend, things that are in this in insane galaxy of chaos and demons and spirits and their friends turning on each other and, you know, shooting each other in the face and all this stuff like that. The main guy, his name is Logan. He stumbles upon something called a lodge and a lodge is where a group of men that are also Astartes, which are warriors, you know, these eight foot tall, 300 pound warriors, you know, these, these future Spartans, essentially what they are, they're gods, they're, they're gods. They live for like 5,000, 10,000 years if they're not killed, but they created something called a lodge. Now, what this lodge is, is a place in the story where all these men of equal caliber and equal strength and equal position and job, uh, I don't want to say position because they're all different ranks, right? It doesn't matter what rank they are when they go in there. They go in there and he, Logan is confused because he's like, why are you guys? And they have this insanely deep voice. He's like, why are you guys in here? This is secret. This is, uh, you know, secret, blah, blah, blah. And you're not supposed to be doing this. And then the other guy, I forgot his name, was like, Logan, listen to me. This is a place where men can come into the lodge and we could talk about, you know, things that have been bothering us or, you know, problems or issues, or we'll just sit in here and we'll have drinks and, you know, we'll just have a good time and no rank doesn't matter here and blah, blah, blah. And, um, I was like, that is a really good example of how men should be vulnerable with each other. You know, here you have all these people who are in the same job field, which is murdering, <laughs> which is killing tons of, you know, uh, <laughs> other humans or, um, aliens or anything like that, but you have this literal place where they go and they could just talk to each other. And that, and there is in the story, there is benefits to that because, because you have one guy who's a captain and you have another guy who's like way down on the chain. And then they come into this lodge together and he talks to his captain on an equal level. He's like, look, I really don't know why you ordered me to do this. You know, it's, it, doesn't make sense and this is what happened and the captain's like well i ordered you to do this because of this and blah blah, blah. and they come to equal terms and they can understand each other better so there is benefits to to men being vulnerable with other men men of equal caliber so to answer bullet point number two who should men be vulnerable with men should be vulnerable with other men other men uh that are similar or equal caliber to them right not just anybody not just anybody nobody don't just go be don't just don't just go crying to anybody don't just go expressing your feelings to anybody don't go on facebook live and start crying to your entire audience because people are only going to be disgusted with you men should be vulnerable with their wives to a certain extent like i said you don't want to put all your problems on your wife and every day you come home from work you just sit there and you uh, cry on her shoulder uh, your girlfriend uh, every single day and you just constantly put that on them because whether they admit it or not consciously or subconsciously, they're going to end up being disgusted with you and they're end up not going to want to be with you anymore because you're just constantly being vulnerable with them and you're kind of getting out of that masculine realm. You know what I mean? So I hope that makes sense. To summarize bullet point number two, men should be vulnerable with other men that are equal caliber. And think of the idea of the lodge, right? Think of the idea of the lodge and how it's a bunch of warriors who go into this place, which is essentially, now that I think about it, kind of like a VFW where they just go in there, they have drinks, rank doesn't really matter, and they just talk about all their experiences and blah, 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 and they leave feeling better, right? That's a great example of how to be vulnerable in a healthy way. 
Um, and I guarantee you that does actually prevent suicide in the veteran community, which, um, you know, I don't know if we've gone around uh, along. I don't know if the veteran community kind of understands why veterans kill themselves because a lot of people don't understand why men kill themselves. Um, so to going back to the original question before I go on to bullet point number three, which was, um, you know, is talking about your feelings actually going to prevent suicide? And then ultimately it's no. Right. But I feel like there's an underestimated value. And I feel like a lot of veterans are actually killing themselves, not because they're not talking about their feelings enough, but because they've lost their sense of tribe. Right here. You, you, you have this veteran who, you know, had a purpose, had a mission every single day. They knew exactly what they had to do, no matter how stupid it was. If it was going to the motor pool, whether it was changing that oil pan or whether it was going to S1 or blah, blah, blah. Every single day that a soldier wakes up, they have a mission. They have a purpose. They have an echelon. They have somebody above them. They have somebody underneath them. They have a deep sense of responsibility. They have brotherhood. They have camaraderie. Never will you have more purpose than when you're in the military and or when you're a father and you have a family and you need to care for them, right? Never in your life will you have more purpose or responsibility than when you're one of those two things or both at the same exact time, right? So when a veteran, whether it's four years, five years, 10 years, 20 years of service, leaves the service and he no longer has that tribe, he no longer has that community, he no longer has that ability to reach out to his brothers and be vulnerable with them in a healthy way, it starts to take a serious toll on your mental health. I remember when I left the military back in 2016 for the first time, I remember one of the things that hit me the most was I realized how much I missed my friends and I missed my brothers. And it was a horrible feeling. I didn't miss the motor pool. I didn't miss Afghanistan. I didn't miss any of that shit. But what I did miss is my friends. Right. So, you know, the VA and all this stuff like that, they think that the best way to prevent suicide is by shoving a bunch of pills down your throat and having you talk to a therapist who gives two shits about you. Right. When in actuality, if you really, really cared, if you really cared about preventing suicide in the veteran community, you would stop pushing this agenda of, oh, met you veterans, you, you know, you hardened combat veterans. If you just cried more, you would feel so much better. No, screw that. I'm tired of pretending like that's a solution to preventing suicide, not only just the, ma the male community, but the veteran community. If you really, truly cared about preventing suicide in general, in males and in veterans, what you'll do is you'll stop promoting crying and just shedding emotions and vulnerability and blah, 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 and all that stuff. And you'd start promoting a strong sense of getting back into a tribe. I don't care if it's freaking jujitsu. I don't care if it's a gym. I don't care if it's a, a Warhammer 40K Dungeons and Dragons club. I don't give a shit it's an, if it's airsofting. I don't care if it's, you know, I don't care if it's a wood shop. Just go and reestablish yourself within a tribe and build that brotherhood back up again. Your mind needs that. You've been programmed to, to be most efficient, most strong, to be most grounded when you are surrounded by people who have similar interests in you, a similar goal. You know, we live in this society nowadays where everybody tells you that the individual, blah, 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 individualism, this individual, that, you know, you don't need anybody. You don't need anybody to your left and your right. And the phalanx is dead. No shields to your left, no shields to your right. You can't depend on anybody. It's a doggy dog world, right? That's the individual man. He is the sunset man. He is the man who thinks that he can just, you know, go into this place by himself and, you know, knock out this goal and that goal. And he doesn't need help from anybody and blah, blah, blah. You know, his his pride is his biggest weakness and he could just walk out of there and like in the Hollywood movies and a big explosion behind him and he just goes off into the sunset and just goes on to the next thing, blah, blah, blah. No, that's not how that works. 
That's not how that works. You you keep promoting this idea of individualism on such an extreme level that people are feeling so isolated and lonely that they're freaking killing themselves, especially men who are programmed to need a tribe, who are programmed to be around other people, but yet, you know, veterans get out of the service and what you, what do you do with them? Like you, you, the society tells them that they don't need any help, that they don't need anybody and that they're stronger alone. No, screw that, man. If you are, if you're one of those men and I was like this at one point where I thought that I was better off alone and I didn't need any help and blah, blah, blah. And yeah, it's not true. That is not true. 100% not true at all. I don't, I just went on total tangent there. I don't remember where I last was, but, um, I hope that answers your question about, we went over what does it mean to be vulnerable and then who should a man be vulnerable with? That was the two bullet points that we went over. So lastly, the feminization of masculine vulnerability. I feel like we've already spoken about that where the word vulnerability in the context of masculinity has been feminized. So that means that like I said in the beginning of the podcast, is that when I talk about vulnerability in the context of masculinity, you just think about crying and you think about, you know, talking about your emotions and everything's good. No, that's not true. Remember, con- vulnerability in the context of masculinity is most healthy when it's done with men of similar caliber to you, similar status and like-mindedness and uh, tribe, right? I feel like that makes pretty good sense. So real quick, I'm going to read something that my friend sent to me, The Invincible Way. A lot of you guys had some really good responses to uh, my post about vulnerability and suicide prevention and stuff like that. I know I went on this huge tangent here and I know I, I know that like, yeah, but I feel like this, hopefully this makes more sense to a lot of you guys. Um, okay. So I'm going to kind of, he just sent me like six messages. I might get him on the podcast right after this, but I don't even know if he's free. Maybe we could just ask him a question real quick. So he said, um, quote, be more vulnerable, a plead from women and Sims to emote like them so that they feel better about unproductively crying out in pain. Right. I really like how he said that because he, women, ladies, like we, we, we understand like you think that if we cry more that we're going to feel better and blah, blah, blah. Um, but however, and same thing with like, he's talking about simps and just beta males in general. They think that just crying out in pain is going to help them. It's not going to help them. And then he's like an ascending man, right? The rising man is always vulnerable because you must forego pride, right? And risk facing failure, rejection in order to achieve anything as a man you are alone in this world, right? So I agree with that to a certain extent. I agree that as a man, you are alone to a certain extent. However, like I said, the phalanx, you still have brothers to your left and right. You're not always completely alone, but he's being kind of metaphorical there. He means that even in the end, even in the end, the only person you could ever depend on is yourself because though your brothers are going to be there for you, hopefully if you have a strong tribe, if you're not willing to help yourself, Nobody's going to come help you. Nobody can help you. It always starts with yourself. That's what he means by you are alone in this world. Um, so yeah, that's, I really want to get him on the podcast talking about this, about vulnerability and stuff like that. And I, every time I talk about mental health and vulnerability and all that stuff like that, I get meet with a lot. I get met with a lot of like disagreements, which doesn't bother me at all. I'm actually quite used to it and at this point and a lot of you guys brought up some very good points about vulnerability and stuff like that. So, you know, to summarize this episode is talking about 
our feelings as men going to help prevent suicide? Is it going to make us feel better? No. Is there some benefits to it? Yes. You know, but it shouldn't be our go-to. How are we going to actually prevent suicide in the male veteran community? We're going to establish ourselves within a tribe. We're going to get a hobby. We're going to get a task. We're going to get a meaning. We're going to get purpose, right? We're going to take care of our bodies. Very important. Very, very important when it comes to mental health. We're going to take care of our bodies. We're going to work on our physique. We're going to lift weights. We're going to go out and run. We're going to eat healthy. We're going to eat lots of veggies. We're going to eat lots of fruit. We're going to get lots of sun. We're going to go tan our buttholes out in the forest. <laughs> Apparently that's a really popular, popular thing now. Some people that I very, that I respect very, very much are actually going out and tanning their balls. I don't know. Maybe I'll try it. Um, who should you be vulnerable with men who are similar in caliber caliber to you? What does it mean to, f what does it mean to have vulnerability feminized? It means that Nowadays, you think that vulnerability is just about crying and, you know, your problems are solved. No, that's not it. If you really wanted to benefit from vulnerability, you would do it with other people who would understand. And you would only do it so far as to help you understand your problems, verbalize them, get some advice, you know, put your pride aside and then boom, move forward. Start knocking out those tasks. Start knocking out those goals. Start taking care of yourself. That's it. That's my idea of vulnerability. That's my idea of all that stuff like that. Um, real quick before we end this episode, wow, this one went on for a really long time. We got some new Patreon supporters that I want to give a shout out to. I probably should have done this in the beginning of the episode. Actually, screw it. What I'll do is I'm just going to edit this in the beginning of the episode. So if you guys are still listening, this is going to be kind of weird to you. But anyways, I hope you guys enjoyed episode 45, excuse me, and have a fabulous weekend. See ya.